about three weeks ago on a Sunday morning in a message. But uh, as you know, when I, I, I told you this, when I give the summary, I'll be talking about pretty much the same thing that I've been talking about, just uh, collecting thoughts together and putting things together. And, and I trust that, that, that you will not feel that I'm repeating myself uh, just because I, I don't have anything in addition to say on this, but I'm repeating myself because uh, I feel the, the weight of this particular subject. So, Revelation 2, verse 13, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath a sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them, hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balaam to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. You may be seated. And, of course, this, this message I've already told you is on separation. When I say my final message, it will not be the final message, hopefully, that I preach on separation, but I meant of this particular series. There's a lot of things that we want to talk about before the Lord comes. But I want to title this message, Satan's Final Blow. And the reason why I title it that, because... In carefully reading the Scripture, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am correct in, in my title. Just prior to the coming of the Lord, the final blow to the church will be the spirit of compromise. In other words, uh, in the Scripture it's spoken of as spiritual fornication. So I'll be talking about spiritual fornication or spiritual adultery uh, tonight. Now, I will tell you this. My cup is totally full. I, I don't know that I've ever studied for anything or felt any stronger about anything than I have uh, the lessons that I've been teaching here for a few weeks. In fact, I feel totally overwhelmed tonight by the Spirit of the Lord. I had Rich, Brother Thomas, to come in my office and pray for me before service. I, there are times when I, I feel totally overtaken. Now, as, as I thought would, would happen, you know, teaching on this, I've stirred up a lot of things. There have been a lot of questions asked. A lot of people have come and encouraged me. Uh, some have expressed some concern. Some have doubted. Uh, some have even gone so far as saying, well, I, I really don't believe that. Now, you better be real careful before you say much about this because I am taking this from the Bible. And I, I, I want you to understand that uh, it is coming from Scripture. Uh, the word Pergamos comes from a word that means married. Pergamos actually means married. Uh, 
And, of course, as you can see, the concern for Pergamos was that, that Satan had set up a stronghold, a real stronghold, in this church. And I've spoken about strongholds. I, 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 I'm particularly concerned about people who allow strongholds to be set up in their, their households. Uh, in other words, they, they open the, the, the door and they allow certain things to come in. And Satan just sets up a, a kingdom in, in, in the house. And I, I think that you need to be very careful as to what you allow in, in your house. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this, that, that uh, uh, I... I can I can look back at uh, at at the kingdom of God around the turn of the century, and you can see great persecution coming to the church. The persecution against the church never really hurt the church. Uh, persecution could not stamp out the faith of people. It, it, historically speaking, the church has grown at a greater degree. Uh, in a faster degree, when persecution came than any other time. But when uh, Satan took a different uh, approach to people, and and when he offered them uh, something that that they could become involved in at the same time serve God, uh, many people swallowed that particular hook, so to speak, and, and continued on with God. At the same time, they, they, they gravitated back toward the world. Now, spiritual fornication in the Scripture, and, and of course, uh, the word separation is always found here uh, in, in this, because, see, God has separated us from the world. And uh, any time that we go back toward the world, uh, you will find that... that God labels this as, as infidelity, infidelity to Him. Now, there are certain things that are sinful and always will be, but there are certain things that are sinful only when you allow them to be sinful. In other words, if, if, you, are, if you have an obsession with something, uh, and, and that obsession takes you away from, from prayer, if that obsession takes you away from, from worship, uh, then it becomes a sin. It's, it's a sin because it takes the place of God. Idolatry is 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 another word that comes to my mind when I uh, think of uh, spiritual fornication, uh, because idolatry, uh, even though uh, when we think of idolatry, we think of something physical, or worshiping of idols and such. Uh, that that's not altogether the case. Uh, it can be the worship of anything. Some things are tangible and some are quite intangible, but nevertheless, it is labeled as idolatry. Uh, in Colossians, for an example, let me just, if I can turn there and, and read something to you. In Colossians, the uh, uh, Colossians, the... Uh, the third chapter, verse 2, says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, 
your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So the Bible is saying that when we... Uh, when, when we put emphasis on the flesh and the things of the flesh and we live for the gratification of the flesh, then this is idolatry. And idolatry in the Scripture is, is spiritual fornication. In other words, infidelity uh, to, to God. Now, the Scripture that we have been reading uh, each uh, lesson is found in 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now notice what the Bible says. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, what you would want to do then, you would make sure that uh, in your household or in your life, that, 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 that you organize uh, God's kingdom in, in such a fashion that God remains king and that you're loyal to Him. And, and that there, there are no areas in which are of the flesh or of the kingdom of Satan. Because Satan works on, on, our, on our human flesh. Now, around the turn of the century, a lot of persecution came to the church world. But after that, uh, and, and at that time, when persecution came, there was a, a clear, a distinct line drawn between good and evil, or right and wrong. Uh, nowadays, that's not the case. As the world has become uh, worse and worse, uh, progressively uh, more evil, uh, you will find that, that uh, the Christian uh, the Christians have redrawn, rethought their stands, and they have drawn those lines closer and closer. Uh, right now, a lot of Christians are involved in activities that, uh, right after the turn of the century, when, when persecution came to uh, the revivalist community, uh, that uh, uh, Christians today are drawing lines that, that exceed uh, the things that even people of the world were, would become involved in back at the turn of the century. Now, <clears throat> I, I understand that, that uh, you know, we have to cope with times. I, I, I know that. And, and, and we live in a very electronic world. There is, there's a lot of things that are happening. You can't legislate everything and say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. It seems like that the electronic world would, has a way of just kind of pinning the Christians in corners. In other words, you can't legislate enough things to... There's, there's all kinds of avenues and, and ways and such in, in, in which uh, uh, the, the Christian... Uh, you know, can 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 become involved in things before uh, he even realizes he's involved in it, and and so as a result, uh, you, you have to have some some strong guidelines established for your own personal life or your your own heart. Now, the doctrine of Balaam we we read, and of course uh, we we did talk about. Uh, uh, Fornication. Uh, this this business of fornication is something that that uh, God does not not take uh, uh, lightly. Uh, 
in fact, uh, uh, if, if you will look in, in the Bible, I mean, from the very early days of, uh, of, of mankind, this is something that God has, has continued to, to stress. And this is what I want to talk about uh, for, for a little while. Now, in Matthew 24, we'll go back to the days of Noah. And we, we've already gone down this road, but I want to go down this road again because a lot of people were in classrooms. But in Matthew 24, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, Matthew 24, 37, So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood waters came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, two shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other shall be left, and so forth. Now, the thing about it is, there are two, there are two societies that, that the Lord calls our attention to, and that's Sodom and Gomorrah, and then, of course, uh, uh, Noah's day, the, the, the generation of people in the days of Noah. Now, the amazing thing is that, that when we think of the days of Noah, we think of uh, evil continual upon the face of the earth. And when we think of the days of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, we think of perversion, because this is predominantly the thing that's spoken of in the book of Genesis when, when Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, when those, that twin, those twin cities were destroyed. Now, when, when Jesus, though, spoke of Sodom and Gomorrah, and when he spoke uh, of Noah's day, he didn't mention their sin. Uh, he just simply talked about uh, uh, a society or societies, two different societies, that were involved in, in complacency or apathy. I think Sister uh, Moore spoke of that this morning. Brother Godare had preached on that. I, I was, uh, unfortunately, I did not hear his message, but, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus did not call our attention uh, to their sin. But he called our attention to their complacency or their, their apathy. In other words, they, they just kind of reached the, the, the place in which nothing really meant anything to them. They didn't draw any guidelines for their living. They just let things flow. And, and there's a lot of pressure being placed on people today. When the Bible says that Satan is as a mighty roaring lion, usually we think of persecution or something. But that's not the case in the last days. That's not what the Scripture says. There, there will just be a, a kind of a, a spirit that comes upon people, a, a don't care uh, spirit, a, a, a just kind of a, a numb feeling that, uh, well, you know, things don't really matter. Well, they have to matter. If they matter to God, they need to matter to us. Now, here's the thing I want to call your attention to. So if you will be so kind as to turn back to Genesis 6. We will read something. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he, for, with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, the saint became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination 
of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when you look at this, <clears throat> when you think of when, when, when you think of what Jesus had prophesied about, you think, well, we need to look back and we need to find out what these people were doing that was so terrible. Well, the Bible says that the problem was a, it, it was a problem of the mind, that, 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 that every imagination. And, and, of course, the mind always controls our activities. In other words, there was just almost no, no limit to, to what they were thinking, and, and they were just inventing evil things and and they were involved in this, this type of, of lifestyle. Now, when, when, when you look at the Scripture, the Scripture speaks out so loudly to me when I read this as to what caused this. Now, what was, what was the primary cause of such an evil condition? Well, the Bible says that it was the marrying of the sons of, of, of God into the daughters of men. In other words, there, there was the, the marrying and and so as so as a result, uh, the the problem was that 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 sinner people were marrying Christian people. I use the word Christian here in the vernacular in which we know it today. But righteous people, unrighteous people, were marrying righteous people. And when they they married, uh, you know, they're 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 obviously there was the breaking down of this. See, and that was that was the problem. Uh, of Balaam. Balaam in Numbers, I think it's in Numbers 20, 22 or 23, you will find that, uh, Numbers 22, I think it is, that when, when Balaam, who was a, a, a Gentile, uh, prophet, uh, when Israel was in, in the wilderness, uh, Balak, uh, one of the, uh, one of the Canaanite kings, uh, he called the prophet over, and he saw that, that Israel was being blessed so much. In other words, uh, they had encountered some conflicts with some of the enemies, and they, had, they were able to just totally sweep the enemies off their feet, and, and people were fearing the God of the Israelites. And what are we going to do? Well, Balaam was called upon. He was a prophet of God. Now, keep this in mind. He was a prophet of God. He was called upon uh, to go and, and curse them. He said, I cannot curse what God has blessed. In other words, if God is blessed, I, I, I can't touch this. But nevertheless, after several encounters with Balak, who was uh, the Canaanite king that, uh, that uh, was, was seeking his help, he, he, came up to this, he came up with this conclusion. He said, well, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, they've got some beautiful girls down in, in Israel. If you'll just send your, your handsome young men down and... And if somehow you can you can get the the boys and the girls to to look at each other, and if you can get them to uh, uh, to start courting, and if you can get them to you know to date and to to marry, uh, you know what you're going to do you're you're going to break down the faith uh, of the Israelites. Now, as you know, God was so upset with this plan that that He allowed Balaam's donkey. Uh, to speak out, Balaam was on his way uh, uh, to to the camp, and and Balaam's donkey stopped. He would not go, 
And finally, he just lay down. Balaam got off and started beating him. And after about three encounters, then the donkey began to talk to Balaam and said, Look, I've never done you any wrong. So what? If, I've carried you around on my back all these years. <laughs> can, can you believe that? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that, that's a true story. I mean, that came out of the Bible, my friend. And, 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 but, but you see, the thing about it, and this is what I, 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 I want to stress this. I think it's very, very important that, that you remember this. When you read through the Bible on several occasions, you find the name Balaam mentioned. And, and there, there are other names that are found in the Bible, but there are certain things that seemingly God never forgets, and He doesn't want you to forget. And that happens to be one of them. And, of course, one of the no-nos in the Christian ranks today, because it's found in the Bible, we've been going over this, is that Christians should not be dating non-Christians. In other words, what, what point of compatibility do you have? And, 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 and then, of course, I can go a step further by saying this, that, that if you are a spiritual young person, you should not date someone who is not spiritual. Doesn't make any difference whether they're in the church or not in the church. If the person doesn't know how to pray, has no desire to serve God, well, don't bid him or her the time of day. You see, I'm serious with you. And 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 the whole problem is that if you go after them because of physical beauty, you're going to have a problem. Now, I think what I should do is just talk about this spiritual adultery. Or fornication. Now, adultery is one aspect of fornication. Adultery is, is, is people of the opposite sex engaging in sexual activities. Fornication comes from the Greek word pornea that pornography comes from. It means sexual uncleanness, like incest or, or perversion, homosexuality. Uh, that would be uh, fornication. Adultery is one part of fornication. So in the Bible you'll find that 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 quite often uh, one word is used and then you will find almost in the same breath the other word used. But uh, let me just read something to you that that our Lord said. All right. So from from Matthew five, Jesus talks about divorce. Now this is what he says. Matthew five thirty one. It has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is divorced, committeth adultery. Now what the Lord is saying is, and of course they ask this question, can a man put away his wife for every cause or for just any reason? The Lord said, absolutely not. And I said, well, Moses suffered this to... To be so, he said, yes, because of the hardening of their heart. Now, you've got to understand one thing, that when you go back in the Bible and you look in Deuteronomy 24, where Moses allowed this, that the Bible says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. So it wasn't just Moses' idea, it was God's idea. But, but nevertheless, the Lord allowed that because of the hardening of their heart. But, but he said, Jesus came and said, but I say unto you, that a man should not put away his wife for any reason at all except fornication. And what he's saying is that, that when you stand before the altar and you say that I will keep myself unto her or unto him and to him only or to her only, will I show loyalty or fidelity, it should be that way. 
It should be that way. And, and God, uh, when you, when you exchange vows, it, it should, it should remain that way. Now, uh, there is uh, one thing in the Bible that, that you have to understand that, that of all the sin that you find in the Bible, every sin, uh, is, 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 classified in a different category except the sin of fornication or adultery. When you sin, the sin of adultery or fornication, you sin immediately against your own body. That's what the Bible says. Now, listen to this. Proverbs 6, all right? These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination to him. A proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood... And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of my mother, of thy mother, okay? Bind them continually, continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instructions are the way of life, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Now, this is something that's important for us to understand, that, that God doesn't just have the Bible out there for us to observe in order to make God happy. That... Uh, that, that God wants to preserve you and grant to you life, all right? Why all this? It says to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. Oh, my. Neither let her take thee with her eyelids. You know, the flashing of the eyelids. Now, that's, that's, that's kind of, isn't that something? Now, the Bible is... There is a principle here that is very, very important. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and in his clothes and not be burned? Question mark. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Now listen to this. So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. All right? Now, notice this. Now, this is a strange comparison here. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. In other words, if a man is real hungry and he's starving to death, and, and what the Bible is saying, that if, if a man saw something that would sustain his life, and he went and he stole it. Now, that may not be right. You know, naturally it wouldn't be right, but nevertheless, men don't despise. But, if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold, he shall give all his substance of his house. In other words, he'll have to pay for it. And there is a way, in other words, in which he can, can make this up. There's a way in which he can repay society or whoever he stole from. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he doeth it, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Notice this. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not.
be taken away. Now, this is Scripture. That simply means that a person who involves himself in an adulterous affair, that once this takes place, it puts a mark on him that will never, ever leave him. Now, now this is not the gospel according to Pastor Grant. This is the Bible. And this is the reason why we tell young people, especially those that are dating, that, that you need to, you know, you need to keep your distance. And there's certain things that you ought not do because Satan can set up a stronghold in your life. And, and, and after a while you will find that you're committing adultery with the person that you're planning on marrying. You may say, well, if I marry, but listen, if you're not married, it's still adultery. And you will put a mark upon your life that will not be taken away. Now this is what the Bible says. That simply means that there will be a nightmarish thing in your mind till the day you die over the act of adultery or fornication. Now that's what the Bible says. See? Now the reason why that I'm coming down real strong on this is because that when we look in the Bible, the Bible speaks of spiritual fornication. Spiritual fornication is staying too close to the world and involving yourself in worldly activities after the Lord has delivered you from that world. And what the Bible is saying is that, that, that this thing will get a hold of you. But you know, when Paul addresses the same subject in the book of Corinthians, he says that if someone has committed adultery among you and they are not repentant over it, don't even keep company with that person. Why? Because there's a spirit involved in it. And that spirit will get a hold of you. Now, you understand what he's saying? That spirit will get a hold of you. And a worldly person, there's something about it, that that spirit gets a hold of them, my friend. And it not only pollutes them, but it pollutes everybody around them. And this is something that you need to understand. Because throughout the Scripture, constantly, over and over and over. Now, in the Old Testament... There's some strange things that actually takes place. And, and I don't know that I have the answer to all this, but, but I do know that occasionally you'll find a prophet that goes and prophesies. And, and, and when he prophesies, he has to live out his prophecy. And Hosea was one. There's a book in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, Hosea, who was instructed of God to go down to the red light district of his city and marry a whore. That's what the Bible says. A prostitute. And so he did. He went down and married this, this lady by the name of Gomer. And the reason why is because, because Hosea was prophesying against Israel because this was the sin of Israel. Now, if you look at the sin of Israel, what was Israel doing? Really, what were they doing? They had become too much like the Canaanites. You see, when, 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 when Joshua took Israel into the promised land, they were to take and utterly destroy the Canaanites. Now, that, that may sound strange to a lot of people. But the reason why that God wanted them to utterly destroy the Canaanites, because, you see, they came out of Egypt, they go into the promised land, and if in the event there was this, this mixing, this breaking down, and that was, that was Balaam's plan, well, they, they just might as well have stayed back in Egypt. Because they're going to be in slavery. You remember when Jesus in John 8 
when, when he said, uh, 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 he talked to the Pharisees and he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they said, well, we be Abraham's children. Well, we were never in bondage to anyone. Jesus said, oh, <laughs> you've got to be kidding. And really, when you, when you look back, now you look back at their history. You see, when they came into the promised land, over 400 years they were under what we call the reign of the judges. 435 years, the book of Judges. And, and you might as well just take your Bible and write, write, book of failure. This is one of the greatest periods of failure in their history. Why? Because when they were supposed to utterly destroy the Canaanites, did they destroy them? Absolutely not. And what they did, they began to look at, at the Canaanites, they thought, now here's a golden opportunity for us to make money. And, and, and because they had a superior army and God was on their side, they began to tax. In other words, what they did is they just they set up a little bit of a, an agreement with, uh, with the Canaanites. Now, we, we'll let you stay here and we'll dwell in the land together and so forth. But after a while, the, the situation reversed itself. Now, when it reversed itself, Israel was being taxed. And Israel then was back in bondage. And after a while, Israel was pushed back on the hillsides. And Israel was in the bad part of the country. God would raise up a judge to deliver them from a particular group of the Canaanites. Shamgar, for an example, was one man who who single-handedly just just smote a whole garrison of the Philistines because... All of a sudden, God's Spirit came upon him. He took an ox goad, and he prayed a prayer, and he stepped out and slew 500 of these men. Denoting God still wanting to fight their battles for them, and help them and deliver them. And then we go into the book of, 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 of the Kings and Chronicles, where, where Israel wanted to be like everybody else. That's what they said. We want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. And this is the cry that I hear of a lot of people today, even apostolics. We'd like to be more like everybody else. Now, now hear me. I told you, my heart is full. But, but I'm seeing this. I'm seeing it from a lot of different people. Just how come we can't do this? How come we can't do that? What about this and what about that? What about this and what about that? Listen, I am only trying to be right with God. I am only trying to be right as a pastor. And, of course... As a leader of my own particular household. Now, you see, when we, when we take on a love for the world, and you may say, well, Brother Grant, uh, uh, what do you mean a love for the world? Well, let's just turn to Galatians 5, and we want to read something here. Galatians 5. Now, we read 1 John 2, 15, the works of the flesh. And, of course, the world, we talked about the, the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. In other words... Uh, many times in reading the Bible, there, there's, there's no commandment, Thou shalt not do this particular activity or, or such. Okay, Galatians 5, alright? Verse 16, For I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, a man just can't do what he wants to do. That's what the Scriptures say. And you have to be very careful when you, when you start saying, why not? How come I can't do this? I mean, have you carefully searched the Scripture? 
And I want our young people to hear this. I, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me very clearly. Now, we have, in our Christian school, it's a good time for me to just add this, we have a, a uniform code. Now, the uniform code doesn't altogether stand for what I consider is what's right and what's wrong as far as modesty and holiness is concerned. We have that code because we want all of our kids to dress alike. And every now and then, some of the kids, they get a little bit confused. They'll come and say, well, what's wrong with me doing this or that? Maybe nothing, but we're talking about uniform codes. We're talking about something different. In other words, let's say if you worked at Hardy's and you went down there and everybody had a kind of a brown suit on, you went in with a bright orange suit on, they may send you back home to change and get a suit like everybody else. You may say, well, what's wrong with orange? Well, nothing's wrong with orange, but nobody else has orange. You see what I was talking about. So we're talking about something that's totally different. Now, there are some areas, however, that, that, that we are particularly fussy about because there are certain things, you know, that, that we want to get across to our young people. We do not want our young people to immodestly expose their bodies because that's part of the Scripture, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit later on. We, we don't want that. But now, see, here's the thing. Let's talk about the flesh, okay? All right? You just can't do what you want to do. That's what Paul is saying. All right? But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. All right? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Which of these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, Murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we've gone over with you a few scriptures, too, that also tells you that you should not take pleasure in those that do those things. Romans 7, 7, Romans 1, 32. That people who even take pleasure in people who do those, they are also worthy of death. Now, we read that last Thursday night, and that's pretty heavy. Now, I said all that to say this. You know, when, when you pick up your paper like, we, like I did today, and you read about two or three rapes, and you read about a murder that took place right over here at, at Country Kitchen on Saturday, and a man trying to commit suicide after that, and it was on the front page and everything. And, and every day when you pick up your paper and you see this over and over and over and over, you say, well, what's happening to the world? Well, the reason why is because Satan has set up strongholds in individuals' homes. And Christians are saying, well, Pastor Grant, you talk about television. What's wrong with television? Well, take all these things right here that I have called your attention to and take the programming of television and say, how many times... How many times do you find adultery being committed on this program? How many times is fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings? You see, this is what we're talking about. The Bible doesn't say, Thou shalt not, and talk about television. It doesn't say that. But, but you don't have to have much of a brain. I mean, you could have the brain of a grasshopper and figure that out. That, that the whole thing is I'm taking pleasure in somebody getting shot. I'm taking pleasure in somebody committing fornication with somebody. I'm taking pleasure in somebody committing adultery. 
And these soap operas and talk shows and everything, that's all it is. I was getting my car service not too long ago. It was a talk show on. And, and here, this, this woman, this, this woman uh, who was married to this man uh, now ran off with this man's dad. And, you know, for the biggest complex, I said, oh, man. And I picked up the paper two days ago, and it says, "What's wrong with talk shows?" I don't know if you I don't know if you read that or not, but they got to talk about all the things that happen on these talk shows, and that on some of these shows that 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 some of these strippers are even stripping down right in front of everybody. And of course, they 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 made mention that as a result of of, of some homosexuals that appeared, and and one man. Uh, taking a lock into another, and after the show, advancing himself toward that there was a killing that took place. Somebody was actually killed. I don't know if you read that in the paper or not. It was two days ago. And then we say, what's wrong with our society? Now, you may go away and say, well, Brother Grant, you're so narrow-minded. You know? But, but, I mean, we're, we're down now to the nitty gritty in, in time. You see? And, and, if, and if we as a group allow ourselves or subject ourselves to this kind of garbage, our church will be void of a move of God. And, and if God moves among us and somebody is saved among us and we lead him into that, we haven't helped the man as quite as much as we think we've helped the man. In other words, we must take strong stands against such. Now, you understand what I'm talking about? And this is the reason why that I, I, I tell people now. I, people have come and asked me, Brother Grant, I'm thinking about getting a VCR and a, and, a, and a monitor and everything. Now, what should I watch and what should I not watch? Well, I don't like to draw the lines on every little thing, but let me tell you something. You've got to be very careful. You know what? Why? Because, you see, there, there's, a, there's a world out there that would give anything for your soul. And you have to be careful. And, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because it needs to be said. Every now and then, somebody will come and say, Do you know what they were watching over at that house? And they named somebody here in the church. And, and they will call out some particular thing. And Well, I, what do you mean by that? Well, this is... This is PG or R-rated or something. Got a lot of swearing and sex and a lot of flesh. And... Now, you're smarter than that. You're smarter than that. You've got to be smarter than that. In other words, to, to, to subject your family to that and think that, oh, the glory of God, the blessings of God is going to rest upon my household. Now, come on. You're smarter than that. You've got to be. I mean, you just have to be. So, we are to stay separated from the activities that are associated with the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of flesh. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you do such things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, to put it in plain language, you ain't going to get there. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's what the Bible says. Is that what it says? That's exactly what it says. Now, 
Let me let me just uh, let me just get into something else here. I talked about I talked about CCA and such, and of course, what we want to do we want to understand that that uh, we want to emphasize things in the in 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 the proportion in which God emphasizes it. Now I said that this will be my last lesson on separation. I meant you know during during this particular series, but but truthfully, I think that I have gone too long without talking about this because there's been a whole lot of slipping. Now, I'm not saying this hateful or anything. I take full responsibility for this because I, I'm, I'm just I'm seeing things and hearing things and people that I thought had better sense are saying, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. What's wrong with that? You follow what I'm saying? All right. Now, <clears throat> what I want to do, I just want to, I want to talk about... Uh, about something like like Paul says, now you know the separation of sexes. I I talked about Deuteronomy 22 and on Sunday morning about three weeks ago, and and I had a couple of people that that got a little upset about it, and they expressed it to various people, and of course they didn't come tell me. Uh, <clears throat> not for sure why, but well, I think I am for sure why. But nevertheless, they, they didn't. But they told other people. They said, you know, Brother Grant said, all oh, the ladies shouldn't wear pants. Well, I never said that. Now, what I did say was that, that, that God has always been interested in the separation of the sexes. He has, a de- he has a defined role for the man, a defined role for the woman, a defined role for the young lady in the house. And you may say, well, it doesn't say anything about pants. I understand that. And people have told me, you know, I've heard this argument all my life. Oh, that's talking about robes. Go get your robe then. <clears throat> In other words, what you're saying when you're saying that, it's not talking about what you're talking about. It's talking about what I'm talking about, but I'm not even willing to do what I think it's talking about. No, what the Bible's doing, it's, see, the Lord laid down laws in Deuteronomy 22 that deals with separation. And God wanted Israel to know that they were a separate people. And, and regardless of what they were involved in, every time they turn around, you're not like everybody else. You're not of the world. You came out of Egypt. You have a Redeemer. You have a Savior. And, of course, they constantly went astray. And this is why God says, I want you to go and marry. I told Hosea, I want you to go and marry Gomer. Had three children by her. And guess what happened? She left him and went back to her whoredom. And this man was so broken hearted. He was so sad. And he, God allowed this to happen so that this prophet could prophesy with the, with the anointing and compassion and feeling that he needed to prophesy with. Because what God was saying, this is the way Israel is. What were they doing wrong? Tell me. What were they doing so wrong? Were they not worshiping Jehovah? Yes, they were. What were they doing wrong? They had taken on the likes of the people around them. Or like everybody else. God was not happy with that. And so... 
in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there is a separation of the sexes. And, and of course, if you, read, if you read Romans 1, the whole problem in Romans 1, after a while, is that when, when, when people became blinded in their thinking, that, that women started doing things that men normally do, and, and men started doing things that women normally do. Now, you may say, oh, Brother Graham, it's all right for me to dress like you dress. Uh, I mean, if you're a lady, then, then what would you think if I came in here with a, with a dress on, dressed like Sister Graham? What would you think? Pantyhose and the whole works. High heel shoes. The whole works. Well, there's, no, there's really no difference. Now, what would you think? Oh, you may say, oh, Brother Grant, this is the 90s. Listen, this is the day in which Jesus Christ is soon to return for His church. And I believe with all my heart. I mean, I really believe this with all my heart. Now, I've been reading some from this Zondervan Bible. This is one that you can get over at the family bookstore. Now, the man who wrote this was not one that's Pentecostal. I don't know how conservative he was or anything. I just know that he was a charismatic Trinitarian Pentecostal. Okay? All right, I want to read something, all right? In 1 Timothy 2, all right, in verse uh, 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. All right? In like manner also that the women adorn themselves with modest apparel. Now, the word modest is here. And I, I will say this. I believe the way holiness standards are taught in the New Testament is always under the umbrella of modesty. That's what it's talking about. All right? With shamefacedness and with sobriety, not with braided hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh woman professing godliness with good works. Now, if you will read this, he goes into Adam was first formed and there was Eve. And basically what he's doing is he's, he's laying out the chain of command. In other words, what he is doing, he is defining the role of the man and the woman. Now, I'm just going to read what this commentary Read it straight from this Zondervan Bible. This is a 1993 print, I think it is. I, I read that last Thursday night. All right. It is God's will that Christian women be committed to dressing modestly and discreetly. The word shamefacedness is taken from a Greek word that implies a certain shame in exposing the body. It involves a refusal to dress in such a way as to draw attention to the body and to pass the boundaries of proper reserve. All right. The source of modesty in a person's heart or inner the, the source of modesty is in a person's heart or inner character. In other words, modesty is the outward manifestation of an inward chastity and purity. All right. Now, dressing in any immodest manner that may excite impure desires in others is as wrong as the immoral desire that it provokes. Now, this is what this writer is telling you. I'm just reading something else. In other words, I need somebody to say amen to me. Amen. All right? No activity or condition justifies the wearing of immodest apparel that exposes the body in such a way as to cause immoral desires or lust in someone else. And, of course, he says Galatians 5.13, Ephesians 4.27, Titus 2.11 and 12, and Matthew 5.28. It is a sad commentary 
on any church when the biblical standard of modesty in dress is ignored and the world's customs are passively adopted in a day of sexual permissiveness. The church should act and dress differently from a corrupt society that casts aside and ridicules the Holy Spirit and God's desire for modesty and and purity. Now, this is what this is what uh, I, I, I gave you the man's name last week. This is what he has to say about it. Now, I don't know anything about this gentleman that wrote that. Uh, Donald C. Stamps was his name. Now, basically, in other words, what we're, what we're trying to do is not be so restricted that, that you can enjoy life, but to keep you away from the world that causes so much frustration and so much confusion. See? And you, know, you, and you can say whatever you want to, but any time that any of you ladies decide, well, I think I'll put on a pair of shorts and I'll parade around men, well, you go ahead and do that. But if you think you don't excite Men, when you do that, and, and I've, I had one lady said, "Well, but Brother Grant, God looks upon the heart." Oh yes, but man looks on the legs. <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about. See, and 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 I'll guarantee you that any carnal person that hears me tonight that would take up issue by saying that's all right has a problem in that area. In other words, you'd like to see more than you let on that you'd like to see. And, and so this is the reason why that in our Christian school, you know, we, we tell our young girls, I'm just going to, I'm going to go over some of these things, all right? I might be in pre- preaching too long, but I'm going to take my liberty now. We tell our young girls, we, we tell them, you know, Brother Eckenrod, he's our, he's our, our high school uh, supervisor and and the young girls, when, when, he's, when he's looking over their shoulders, we want them to have their shirts buttoned up. And, and for a reason. You know? And, and I know that we have people that come and pray at the altar, and, and, and they're dressed in all different fashions and such. And, and quite often I have to turn my, turn my back because, well, that, that's, you know, we're talking about people that don't know God. But it's a different thing when you know God. See? I said, it's a different thing when you know God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I say, it's a different thing when you know God. And this is the reason why I've, t- I've told this, and I want, to, I want to say this again. You know, some of you have swimming pools at your house. Please put up a privacy fence. You don't want your, you don't want your daughters or... Are, are, are boys laying out there so that everybody can see their nakedness? I mean, it's nothing wrong with swimming, is there? Well, there's nothing wrong with swimming. I mean, I don't take a shower with my clothes on, you know. I figure you, you knew that. But you follow what I'm saying. You may say, oh, but we don't pay any attention to it. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Well, what's wrong with just... Putting up a privacy fence and saying, look, I won't allow my neighbors to be looking at my wife or my children. What's wrong with that? If you can't control it, drain the thing and tear it up. I'm serious with you. Now listen to me. Listen very carefully. Because, 
if you allow them to do that after a while, they're walking around the yard that way. And after a while, they're going to shopping malls that way. And after a while, they're going down to the beach like that. And after a while, there's everything that the world does, they're doing, and you're allowing it. And then you say, I wonder how come. And then problems set in. I'm going to make a strong appeal to the men. Listen, men. Be the spiritual leader of your household. There's a time when you have to say, no, we don't do this. We can't do this. We can't allow this. This is the way it is. And you may say, but if I do that, Brother Grant, my wife will just blow sky high. Let her blow sky high. You may say, Brother Grant, you wouldn't do it. I guarantee you I would do it. You better believe I would do it. And you say, you're just pulling her bluff. Well, I might be pulling her bluff. But I would do it. So help me, I'd do it. There are certain things that you have to stand for. Listen, I am a, I'm a Christian man. And God has called me to be a pastor. And if I made this statement last Thursday, if this church wants a leader that will take them back to Egypt, they're calling on the wrong man. I cannot submit myself to that kind of pressure. We're going to the promised land. We're not about to marry the Canaanites. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, you know I don't preach like this every Sunday night. But I think we need to wake up and realize that there's a world out there and there's a spirit out there and Satan is, Satan is offering his final blow to the church world. And the final blow is become like us. Commit fornication with us. Let's be one. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord. Now, you know, the thing, listen, really, I'm not trying to be tough on this issue. I'm not trying to be. It's just that I see things that are happening and developing in people's lives that 15 years ago you would not think about doing that. It would be the furthest thing from your imagination. You'd say, oh, Pastor Grant. But you see, after the wearing away, the pressure, the constant pressure. I made this statement Thursday night. I said, you know the reason why I have Sister Grant in charge of dress codes? And please understand, I'm talking about in our Christian school. Because I don't want the people who are responsible for the curriculum to be subjected to that kind of pressure. Because, you know... Some of these, some of these kids have ways of putting pressure on their parents. And the parents have ways of putting pressure on the supervisors. And the supervisors have their hands full. And Sister Grant has a strong supporter. Me. And really, you know, every now and then somebody will try to intimidate me about it. Well, listen, you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm not about to give in on that. I've been hearing some of these arguments before some of you were born. And I'm not about to give in. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ 
is coming back. This is a rapture-bound church. And He's coming after a church that has no spot nor wrinkle. And the final blow is spiritual fornication or adultery. That's the final blow in the Bible. What caused, what caused the days of Noah and the evil? The one simple thing was the sons of God married the daughters of men. That was it. That was it. And we cannot, listen, we cannot afford to allow the world to creep into our lives and into our hearts. I'm going to have to quit preaching. At any rate, regardless of how you take this, regardless of what you think, I'm doing this because I love you. Because I care for you. And you must understand that. I'm not upset at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I care. I genuinely care. Jesus, you are so good, Lord. You're so wonderful, God. You are so mighty and so true. Oh, God, God. Lord Jesus, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Lord Jesus, God, you're good and wonderful. Oh, God. Heavenly Lord, Heavenly Lord, talk to us and deal with us. Oh, Lord. Some of you tonight are not listening to my voice. I have spoken once, twice, and a third. Some of you do not believe in what is going to take place. Some of you hear my word. Some of you hear and can feel my love. But some of you have hearts that are blocked. Please, please open them tonight. For I am the Lord your God and I do come so quickly. Repent this night of any spiritual adultery, of any spiritual fornication that you may even think of. 
Get upon your knees, repent and seek me, for I come quickly and I will forgive, for I do love you more than you'll ever understand. Please hear my voice tonight. Please, I bid some of my final callings. Please hear me tonight, saith the Lord. Oh, God of heaven, Lord. Jesus, 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 Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, dear God, dear God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Jesus, 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 Lord. Oh, God, you're great and you're wonderful and you're mighty and you're true. And, God, you're great to be praised. Lord Jesus, I love you. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. People are coming to pray. If you want to come and pray, why don't you come on now?